12, you got an iPhone or iPad or something. So have you ever tried to overcome a habit? You know, a variety of things. I guess we could probably think about the thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about overcoming a habit was smoking. I, uh, I'm sorry you got a guilty conscience here, Kenny. I wasn't talking to you. Golly. You're pretty touchy about that, isn't he? So, when I was 15 years old, I uh, went into our living room. I could, I could tell you what the room looks like, the chair that I sat in, and uh, my parents were in the room. I pulled a pack of Lucky Strikes out of my pocket, got one out, lit her up. My parents didn't say a word. A little later in the evening, they asked me if I was sure I wanted to do that, but they, when I lit up, they didn't say a word. It took a little courage to do that. but And uh, I smoked for 10 years. Part of my allowance every week was that my mother would buy me a carton of cigarettes. It was part of my allowance. Of course, they didn't cost then what they do now. I think a pack of cigarettes cost 25 cents then. 20 cents for Lucky Strikes. And uh, so I smoked for 10 years, and then I was riding down the street in the back of a Volkswagen bus with my best friend, and his son said to me, Mr. Simmons, when are you going to quit smoking? Because I just lit up a cigarette. And apparently God used that because... I decided I'm, I'm going to quit smoking. Some little kid, nine-year-old kid sees me smoking and it's not good for him. So I was in college at the time and I, I tried to quit and Ginger begged me to start again because I was so grumpy. Yeah, and uh, so I did start again, but then that next summer we borrowed a camp trailer and went camping in the mountains at Timber Lake, up by Mount Hood in Oregon. And I didn't take any cigarettes with me. We were up there for a week. So I really didn't have any choice. And it was hard, but that first week, you know, was the hardest. After that, I had to make a decision several times, but uh, finally overcame that habit. Was, that's one of the hardest habits to overcome, apparently. We didn't have all the stuff they've got to give people now. So any habit that you have can be difficult to overcome. There are good habits, there are bad habits, but they're difficult to change. And I want to talk to you this morning about change. I looked on the internet the other day and I found multiple websites on, on how to change. Three ways to change, four ways to change, five ways to change, all the way up to 29 ways that you can change. And uh, so, I'm just going to give you three today. So Christians have habits, some good habits, some not so good habits. You've probably established some good habits since you've become a follower of Jesus, hopefully. 
and you've had to overcome some others. Now, Romans chapter 12 is, is talking about change. And I've said to you many times in Paul's writings, Romans, you know, Philippians, Colossians, and so forth, 1 Corinthians, generally he has the first half of the book explaining Christian theology, explaining about Jesus, why he came, how we're saved, and so forth. And the second half of the book is practical in terms of lifestyle changes that can result from following Jesus from the, from the Christian life. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, is the transition between the first half and the second half of that book. And here's how he begins. Therefore, I had somebody say something to me one, once that was very helpful. He says, anytime you see therefore, you always got to ask, what, what, is it, what is it there for? So therefore, in other words, based on these first 11 chapters, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, which was thoroughly explained there, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's one way you might think about it. When it comes to salvation, it's not us uh, reaching God. Moving upward, trying to get good enough to reach God. It's about God rescuing us. He made the first move. He moved toward us to set us free. Now notice on your outline, first of all, a turning point. Now, we have many turning points in our lives. I'm sure you can identify with some of these. A turning point in my life was when Ginger and I were standing in the front of a little Baptist church in Forest Grove, Oregon. She had on a green suit. And what a babe. Whew. I'm telling you. She's standing there. I'm standing there. My brother is standing beside me as my best man. His wife is standing beside Ginger as the maid of honor. Ginger's parents are there. And uh, my mom is there. And the pastor, of course, is there. And Ginger's kids are there. And we exchange marriage vows. That day, I said, I didn't use these words, but what I said expressed, I'm all in. This is a turning point in my life. One of the things young men need to learn is the world is full of beautiful women. Do you guys hear a commentary going along while I'm talking here? Well, thank you. Be quiet now, Kenny, please. So a turning point in my life was when I said yes to Ginger and I said no to all those other opportunities. So you've probably had turning points in your life. When I, when I said I'm all in, uh, one day on the platform, a pastor brought me up in the front after church and he says, I can't pay you what you're making now. And I said, yes. I didn't know what he was going to offer me, but I knew I wanted in. That was a turning point in my life where I turned my back on a lot of other things and I turned toward him. When I received a letter in the mail from B. Rademacher, who lived in Billings, Montana, about the church 
in Billings being open, the Foursquare Church being open, I investigated that and made a decision a few weeks later, I'm all in. And I told people in the early days, I know, I'm not sure I really understood the implications of it, but I, I told them, I, I intend to pastor one church all my life. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be here the rest of my life. In other words, turning my back on a lot of other things, I'm all into this. When Ben asked me to come and help in this church, I, uh, I wasn't all in. He asked me if I would take the church, and I said, no, but I'll help you. Let's see what the Lord does with you. A few weeks later, a young woman, I've not seen her since, walked out the door, walked out the front door, and uh, her pants are down about halfway over her butt, and it broke my heart. And that day I said, I'm all in. God used that. Now, what are the all-in moments for you? You've probably had some. Maybe you've had several. So I want to talk to you today about transformation. Saying yes to Jesus, transformation begins. Notice the verse, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I love this verse. He is a new creation. She is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. It's a turning point. The old is gone. The new has come. So first of all, we're all in. That's a turning point. Secondly, we turn from the past. Okay, let's, let's say, uh, Arnie, stand up for me just a minute, would you? So Arnie and I have known each other for a long time. And if I, if, you know, we could recount some history together. You know, you came down here when we started yep. the Church from Faith Chapel and so forth. Yep. Had some history here. So what if I go like this? <laughs> That's right, I'm ignoring you. In other words, we, know, we all know what it means. I, I just turned my back on you. In other words, what was is no longer. We no longer have relationship, no longer have affection or allegiance toward you, but I've turned my back on you. I won't, I won't do that, by the way. You can, you can sit down. But we know what that means. We, we are separated from our past. We turn our back on our past. So I've told you before about Carol Lee. Carol Lee was a seventh grade girl that I was in love with. And we had these hearts that were broken in two. They were little metal hearts. She had one half, I had the other half. And, and she, she did break my heart. She wrote me a letter and said, I'm done. She was, she was real nice about it. But you, know, you, you boys know how that goes, don't you? They're around, well, it's not you, it's me. Or, you know, whatever it is to soften the blow, but it broke my heart. But as soon as I was done with her, I turned my back on her and I turned my heart towards Sharon Douglas. We, she taught me how to play kissy face. <laughs> kissy face with Sharon Douglas was my life. Anybody identify? Yeah, of course you do. The old was gone, there was a new allegiance that formed. So I love this verse that describes it so well. Blessed is the man or the woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners nor sit in the seat of mockers. Now the picture of that is if you're walking along talking to somebody, you're just kind of discussing things together. But if you stop 
and you face one another, now you're really discussing together. There's a deeper level of conversation that goes on. And then thirdly, if you sit down and begin to mock someone because they think differently than you do, that's another level. So notice what it says. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, just talking about things, Sit in the, stand in the way of sinners, in other words, live like they live, or sit in the seat of mockers. That's really coming against the Lord. Blessed is the person who doesn't do that. Happy are you if you don't do that. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You've probably heard me or somebody else give the illustration about clay. You take clay and it's soft and flexible and pliable. And you can shape that clay into anything that you're skilled enough to shape it into. You can make it into a ball or you can flatten it out. Notice how it changed shape. The Lord is saying, don't let the world do that to you. Don't let the world shape you into its mold. Now, let me ask you a question. How has the world shaped you? Some of you, the world has shaped you with regard to morality. The Bible says one thing. For example, you know, people not having a sexual relationship before they're married. That's a joke now. People are shaped into thinking, oh, it's just fun. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. Or the Lord wouldn't have asked us to stay pure, to stay clean. With regard to money, or with regard to marriage, in our in the world that we live in, for so many people, marriage is just going steady. We get so used to going steady, go with somebody, break up, go with somebody, break up. We we regard marriage in that fashion. When my daughter Kelly, who's my youngest daughter, was in the seventh grade, she had a teacher who was he was kind of a jerk anyway be honest with you. And I, I don't remember what was being discussed, but it, somehow something came up in class and, and my daughter Kelly said, what about the rapture? And this teacher looked at her and started laughing. And then all the kids started laughing. What do you suppose that did to her? That shaped her. Squeezed her. And never again would she be one who would talk about Jesus until she was obviously an adult. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. They laughed at her. If you talk to pre-Christian people now about tithing, you, you give 10% of your income to a church? Are you nuts? But the Bible says that we're better off living on 90% than on 100%. And many of you, like me, have experienced that. Third thing is, turn toward a different future. I'm all in. I turn my back on the past. Now I turn toward a different future. Be transformed. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I won't go through the story because I've told it many times, but when I was 25 years old, knelt beside my bed, gave my life to Jesus, that day... A transformation process began in me. 
Some of it was Christians, you know, shaping me, squeezing me into, their, into a mold. But there was an internal transformation that began by the Holy Spirit. Once the Holy Spirit comes in, then things change from the inside out. You're transformed from the inside out. I was, I was living a bad life, and my mom, who'd been praying for me for years, and I were driving in Portland. I, be, I believe we were driving across the steel bridge in Portland. It's a bridge that's got this grate that sounds funny when you, when you drive over it. We were driving over the steel bridge, and my mom was talking to me about Jesus, and I began weeping because just a week or two before that, I'd given my life to Christ. And I, I remember as plain as day, weeping and weeping and weeping as I was telling her that I had given my life to Jesus. And then, of course, she began to weep as well. I was transformed, not conformed. There's a big difference. You've probably heard the illustration that transformation is like a caterpillar. I wish I could have found one. I would have brought it. Bring this ugly green caterpillar and it weaves itself in the cocoon. And then when it starts breaking its way out, it's a beautiful butterfly. Something very ugly is transformed into something that's very beautiful, it's very lovely. That's what the Bible talks about happening to us. We are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, sometimes it uses the word conformed in a positive way. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So there, there is a shaping that takes place. But the shaping takes place, we're conformed into the image of Jesus because of this inner working. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness. So it's from the inside out, and then the outside begins to look different. You've probably said this. Ginger and I have said this to each other numbers of times. When I look back on my life, B.C., it's like I was a different person. We were different people then. We thought differently. We acted differently. We talked differently. It's like that past life. Allie calls it the old Allie and the new Allie. And they're very, very, very different. So there are three things, and... I want you to listen to this very carefully. It's not going to be new to you, most of you, but I want you to listen very carefully because this will change your life. Three things. Number one, we want to create environments for growth. Notice it says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So notice, first of all, the teaching of the word. In James, it says, not many of you should desire to be teachers because you will be judged with a harsher judgment. I've looked at that several times and thought, golly, what did I sign up for? And the reason is because when you teach, you are shaping someone's thinking. You're changing the way that they think about things, probably more than they even recognize so it's a great responsibility to teach God's Word. So the first thing in transformation is, I teach you. 
I speak into your life from the scriptures. The second thing is friendships or fellowship. Fellowship means, it's the word koinonia, it means participation to share life or a partnership. You're sharing life together. A couple of ways that's described in the scriptures. One is one another relationships. Listen to this list. Give preference to one another. Love one another. Serve one another. Be kind to one another. Have tolerance for one another. Be subject to one another. Bear with one another. Admonish one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. And then there are, there are others. Those things cannot happen if we are in isolation from one another. Gemini's relationship has changed significantly since I first came here. And it's been through many of those things. You, that can't happen in isolation. You have to be together. You're sharing life together. The other illustra illustration the Bible gives is the body. The eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you because you're different than I am. My, this hand needs this hand. This hand needs my heart. This hand needs my head. We're all different. We're shaped differently. We think differently. We have different experiences, different backgrounds, different futures, and yet we need one another. Without you, I'm less than I would be otherwise. So one another relationships. So we speak the truth to one another. So first of all, I speak the truth to you. That's the first part of change. Secondly, we speak the truth to one another. We share life together because what happens? Disagreements come up. Questions come up. Challenges come up. They don't usually happen here, but they happen when we're with one another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. In other words, how are you going to be corrected? You're going to be corrected in one another relationships. I didn't say it. The Bible says, it says you're stupid if you don't expose yourself to that. Because you won't grow. You won't change. You won't be transformed as you would be otherwise. So number one, I speak to you. Number two, you speak to one another. Challenge each other. Encourage one another. Honor one another. So forth. And then thirdly, chair time. What I call chair time or daily devotions. We spent the whole week last week talking about this, so I'm not going not to spend very much time on it. But as I said last week, studies have shown that the most significant factor in spiritual growth is personal engagement with the Scriptures. You reading the Bible, you praying over what you read, talking to the Lord about it, that's the greatest impact in your life. Now, I, I wouldn't say this often, but I promise you, if you'll do those three things, your life will change. You're hearing the word of God from someone who's teaching it. You're sharing life together with other people, letting them shape you, letting them speak into your life. And thirdly, that you're talking to the Lord. And how many times I've been reading the Bible on my own and all of a sudden something will come out and it's just like the Lord gives a revelation of something. Gives an under it doesn't happen every day, but it happens. And that's life-changing. So this morning I think you were given a sheet. might be on the same sheet that you just got in one, but it's got the daily readings on it. 
So I just want to show you that every day, Monday through Saturday, you sit down on Monday, start with two minutes of silence and solitude. Now some of you might want to spend more than that, but a minimum of two minutes just being quiet before the Lord. Then you read the suggested scripture for the day. Then I've got a question there. What has God done for you? What is an appropriate response? So you're challenged to think about something. Then spend time thanking God for specific things in your life that he's done. So now you're talking to him about it. And then finish again with silence. You go through every day and there's different questions that point out different things from what we've talked about today. Then there's a memory verse on there. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be a great verse for you to memorize. You know, and pretty soon you get an arsenal. You know, when my thinking goes awry, I have a verse in Philippians that I, that I quote, whatever is pure, noble, right, no, pure, lovely, admirable, whatever is true, noble, right, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's a tool in your toolbox. And the only way you're going to learn that is by hearing it, reading it, memorizing it. And then for small groups or just a discussion with a friend, it's over lunch or a cup of coffee, what did the Lord say to you from this sermon? Identify that. What, what is that? Be specific about that. And I wrote there, communicate the thought in a sentence, and then each of you discuss your thoughts. You'll, there'll be different things that come up. And you not only learn from what you heard, but you learn from what other people learned. So it multiplies your learning. Is there any action you can take as, a, as an appropriate response to what was said? Then talk about that. And then thirdly, pray for each other. What are the needs of those, of those you're meeting with? And ask the Lord to help you do what he has asked you to do. I can promise you, if you'll do that, it will change your life. I believe that based on the truth of God's word. So Lord, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness to us. And pray if there's any questions that we have, Lord, now that we could... Talk about those and give me wisdom in terms of my response in Jesus' name. So, as I did last week, I'm going to give you the opportunity. Was there anything that wasn't clear to you?